0: Just as 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, puts the gifts of the Spirit in the context of loving each other and and asking us, don't miss this whole point of the gifts. So Romans 12, uh, 1 through 8, situates the gifts similarly with regard to worship. Saying basically, if you want to understand your life, God's will for you, and the gifts God has, and the ministry he has for you, you must start with worship. So let's take a look in that context at Romans 1, Romans 12, 1 through 8. This is the very words of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, that's a generic. By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, Which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment. According to the measure of faith. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Lord help. Help us to hear from you today. Just like Holly talked about at the retreat, activities and games, we're not here for activities. Even sermons and singing, we're not here primarily for those things, Lord. We're, we long to be here for you through those things. We long to be met by you through those things and how much we need you. Thank you for the encouragement that Andrew brought that through Isaiah 53's truth. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And by his wounds, we are healed. Lord, we come to you. Iniquity free. In Jesus Christ. We know our practice doesn't cry out iniquity free. But we know the truth in heaven is that that iniquity is not on us. You laid it all on him. And now you call us holy. And you call us righteous in Christ. And so we we see you with heavenly eyes and we see the Lamb of God at your side, covered with our iniquity and putting it all away. And we say, Lord, by your grace, iniquity free, feed us, nourish, clothe, care for your bride this morning. We long for more of you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about living sacrifice and how that relates to gifts and to set that up this morning, and we'll see how this goes, because I may not get to do much preaching after this, but I'm going to do something a little different. I'd like to invite someone up here, his name is Kyle, <laughs> to have a little Q&A experience with me about how he and his wife Natalie tried to offer themselves to God in this way, and what the Holy Spirit did and has done with that. So without further ado, would you please welcome Kyle Bohan? <clears throat> oh, there you are. The family Von Trapp. (laughs) The Von Trapps. All right. I've used that joke before, but it's okay. I still think it's fun. All right. Kyle, have a seat. I'm so glad that you're here. We've been planning this for a long time, haven't we? Um, But we're here. Finally, we made it. Okay, so living sacrifice. Oh, this is for you. Can you check the mute on there? This is always my favorite part. Um, Is it working for you? Let me see. I'm a professional. Okay, there you go. Okay, Um, don't know what you said, but I'm sure it was critical. Um, That was a joke. Um, so, so, Kyle, tell me about um, this thing that you talked to me about many moons ago that was so exciting and gripped me called the blank page Where did you hear about it what what's it about the blank page it has to do with Romans twelve by the way All right so
1: a few years ago back home in Alabama, um, at our previous church, we heard a sermon and it was just about not just trusting God with your salvation but also trusting him with your life. And so the blank, it's the blank check, by the way. (laughs) But anyways, um,
0: the blank check its the blank check. Yeah. Okay.
1: So the blank check concept is just a concept that is really all throughout the Bible. You see Abraham packing up everything and leaving his homeland to go for a land he didn't know. You see, um, Joseph going to Egypt and trusting in God faithfully, laying down his life, even when he was wrongfully, um, accused of things he didn't do. You see, um, the disciples just dropping their nets and following Jesus, and then also you see Christ. Just he was the perfect example of that. He just laid down his life and followed the Father all the way to the death on a cross. And so, it's called the blank check is because you're essentially just praying to God, saying, "God, my life is a blank check, and cash it and use it as you will, and take me wherever you want to go." And the main point is is you might not know where you're going to go or what you're going to do, but you know who you who you are following, and that's Christ.
0: Amen. Amen. I did know it was a blank check. I just forgot, just for a second. But um, So, okay, how did it hit your heart, though? Like, what, what what, what, did you sense about it? How did it grab you? What did it do in here for you?
1: Yeah, so it just kind of opened my eyes to, have, we really weren't living our lives like that. We would just go throughout our day, you know, get up, go to work come home, eat dinner, watch TV, and go and go to bed. Not that we didn't have a relationship with Christ, we didn't trust Christ, but we weren't actively seeking His will and doing His His will daily. And so Natalie and I were talking about it, and it's, it's really a scary prayer to pray, honestly, for us it was, just because there's all these things that come in your mind. You think, well, where could God take me? Could He take me overseas? Could He take me to a different state? Could He take me somewhere that I don't want to go? Or maybe I live in a place that... I'm fearful of living or maybe, you know, I won't have a good job and my job might fall through and I don't have the family s- support around me because we had all of our family back back home. And so it was just a scary prayer to pray. And, and we just, you know, just prayed to God that, you know, God, our lives are a blank check and cash it as you will and take us where, where you want us to go. But I think what made the most sense to us is, is if we're going to trust God with our eternity, why would we not trust him with our lives? Because when you think about it, your life is just a vapor in the face of all eternity. So that's kind of how it like hit us and kind of changed our lives.
0: So what did you guys do in response? Well, we are in Maryland now. <laughs> at
1: this church! Right, at this church. And so it was kind of a, a way that we saw God's hand on it, like completely. So in 2012, I had... Um, an interview in columbus ohio and it was a really good fit but it just didn't make a lot of sense for us to move there and we didn't feel that like peace about it and so we were thinking god is this what you want us to do are we not fully trusting you are you telling us to do this and so we just didn't feel it feel at peace and a year later in 2013 uh natalie was in the bed like reading and i walked in there and i said there's a job in maryland that's a pretty good fit for me I just like, kind of slumped my shoulders. I said, I do not want to move to Maryland. <laughs> and she said, just apply for the job. And so I applied for the job, and um, I got the interview, and I flew up here. And it was just a great interview. Everything went really, really well. And I called, and they offered me the job before I came back home. And so I called her in the rental car on the way to, back to the uh, airport. And I said, I got the job. Um, I think this is what we should do. And she just felt totally at peace about it. And so we packed up our bags and moved up here and it was just, you know, it was it was it was hard. It was hard to leave our family, to leave our church behind. We had a really tight small group back, back home. Um, one of the biggest things was is we were struggling getting pregnant for over 2 years and now they was going through treatments and so for us moving up here you'd have to start all over with a brand new doctor and all these diff- different things, but we came up here, and, you know, God just met us because uh, the fertility clinic here is one of the best in the nation. We didn't know that whenever we moved we moved up here. And we just packed our bags. Um, Natalie had never visited Frederick. I'd only been here once. We mo- we went to an hotel, and we were just searching for a place to live because our stuff was coming that Friday, and we moved up here on Tuesday. So we didn't have a place to live yet. So we just came up here on faith, and here we are now.
0: So it just sounds like you're saying that, you know, you went through this process of surrendering your life to him in a more specific, you know, clear way. And we're going to follow you where you want to take us. And then suddenly you guys start feeling like, uh-oh, Lord, I think you're calling us to Maryland. Please call us to Zaire or Nigeria or something. But but Maryland is your cross to bear. No, and I'm
1: just a southern boy. No, no, that's okay.
0: That's okay. And I'm not making fun of Maryland. You know, it's just we all have our different you know, uh, preferences, right? I like Maryland, you know, but, um, but I, I just, what I want to understand is, is you, you sense, you sense God leading you this way. You know, you pray, I'm sure you talk to people. You're, 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 you're a wise person. As far as I know you, you are. So, but yet there's this internal compass that's growing in strength. I think this is what God wants us to do. Okay. So that's kind of this, this dying to self kind of thing. What was going on in your hearts on the other side of the equation, the, the sense of relationship with God? How, how did that change? Was there any sense of, you know, saying yes to the blank page, blank check brings a change in your relationship with God?
1: Yeah, it was just kind of like a, a, a refocus for our life. Our life just felt like it had more of a purpose to do His will. Um, and so when we moved up here, it was, you know, we knew we didn't come up here just to get excited about a new place to live or to find a new church and find new friends. We knew that God wanted us to share his love with others and to share the gospel with others. And so I think one way he did that is we started living in an apartment again. And so in our house, you know, we could just pull in our garage if we wanted to. And we got home, close the door and go inside and not really have interaction with people. But living in an apartment, it kind of changed the way we could see people because we would see our neighbors, people above us and below us and around us, see them on the stairwell in the elevators at the pool taking out the trash, you would run into neighbors, you know, so it was kind of like an opportunity. It just opened up more spheres of influence in our life, and what I mean by spheres of influence is, is, you know, you have people that you work with on a daily basis, or you have people that you might see at the gym, or see at the pool, at your, you know, community pool, or... Um, or even like Natalie, she would, you know, go to the grocery store at the same time every week in the same line because the lady was there every time. And so Natalie would just talk to her every now and then. So that was the small sphere of influence that you can use. And so it just kind of opened our eyes to just pour into others around us um, and just to try to refocus our lives on following God and just having that satisfaction and joy in, in Him and doing His will instead of just going through the daily motions of worldly, you know, things that we do every day, which aren't bad things, but they shouldn't be our focus and our main drive in life.
0: So so your surrender to God, that initial kind of dedicating, it, it led to more satisfaction in God. It led to more your attempts to die to yourself and live for God, brought more life and more joy to you. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. And I would also say you can get very com- complacent also, um, which is you know, you, you're on, like, fire for that, but God, you know, it was kind of like a refocus for us because we were getting com- complacent where we were, and even up here, I was kind of, like, falling back, back into that. Uh, this is a funny story, but when we were, we had just moved in, and we were, got everything packed away, and we go out to the to the pool that Saturday afternoon, and we're just, like, relaxing there, and, and uh, there was a couple that was about our age that came and, and sat down beside us, and Natalie turned to me, and I had my sunglasses on. I was just relaxing, and she was like, hey, there's, there's a couple you know we might could reach out to and just talk to and get to know. And I was like, ah, oh, not now. like, we just got done packing, just got done unloading, and I just want to relax. And she was like, no, I mean, I think this is, you know, what we're here to do. And I was like, you're right, but right now I just want to relax. And she just, <laughs> she just, just kind of ignored me and turned to him and said, hello, my name is Natalie. And she just started, like, talking to him. So just having this refocus and just knowing that God's going to meet you faithfully and just give you true joy in following him.
0: Kyle, if I had to guess, we haven't talked, you know, at great length about this issue of gifts. But if I had to guess, I would, I would wonder if God has put a gift for evangelism or mission in you. Probably, gift of evangelism would be a better. Technical way to say it biblically. Um, and it sounds like before that Romans 12:1 blank check experience, that gift was kind of dormant. But that what God did with that Romans 12:1 blank check experience was ignite that gift and launch it and it just continues to motivate you and pour out of you if, if anyone's in your care group they can't help but miss that that burden for the lost just it, it it's in you it's in natalie and and so i mean would you agree with all that 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 you're, you're seeing an aspect of who god made you to be that you didn't see before that blank check
1: yeah and i mean i don't do it perfectly by, by any means but yeah um i think one of the biggest things that hits me is just living in America where so much cultural Christianity is here. I mean, I wasn't until I was saved until 2008, and I grew up in church my whole life, but I had never really been poured into by someone um, or really reached with just gospel-saturated preaching. And so I'm just wondering how many people out there were the same as me, you know, growing up in church but not really thought about their lives and standing before God and just... Um, That just really burdened me, and so it was just something that changed me. And when I heard this sermon about the blank check, I was like, I'm just, you know, not giving my life to that. When someone else did that, you know, for me, Christ did that for me. He gave his life for me, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, man, I'm super excited. I'm I'm so grateful for for who you are, for you and Natalie, that God brought you here, for what's happening in your care group. Um, If you guys are care group leaders or just care group members, just you're open for coffee if you can make the early date for breakfast out there at Fort Dietrich, but um, it's just been a joy to, to, to hear your life and to be sharpened by you. And, um, man, thank you. Thank you for, I mean, I praise God for the work in you, right? Like this is his work in you, but, but for saying yes to the blank check and, and for enjoying him and being satisfied him, even as he's called you to in these little and big ways, die to yourself, get you out here in Maryland, <laughs> but it's worth it, right? The joy you've received in him is far beyond. That was one of the things that really gripped me. It's just how you talked about the joy that you receive in him. Just like Terry quietec talked about last week, it, it far outstrips the sense of sacrifice that you're giving to him. So, thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay. Alright, so, I am continuing my process of trying to repent of bad time management. Um, my repentance isn't over, and it will not be over until my redeemed body Uh, comes at the second coming, but it is 1019, and I'm going to try to finish up here in about 10 minutes. So we're going to have a very abbreviated message. Oh, 11. Why? Yeah, see, that's the problem. problem, It's just the numbers and the way they relate to me. Greg, that's part of the problem is just... So here's this blank check idea reflected in scripture where the lord says to us present your bodies as a living sacrifice this is old testament language this living sacrifice Um, jd greer tells a story in his chapter on this issue of of being in a muslim nation and watching an animal sacrifice and two things hit him it was both the grossest thing (laughs) it was graphic it was raunchy but it gave him great Joy, realizing that this was how much God loved him, that he would go through this in the person of his son for him. But this is not the kind of sacrifice we're talking about. We're talking about a living sacrifice most of the time. There are martyrs, but, but that's at the end of a lot of sacrifice, of a lot of living sacrificing. Christ is the one who sacrificed once for all, for all of our sins, so that it would even be possible for us to have the heart, to want to respond to him this way. Um, but that is what he does. That is what the Holy Spirit does. He makes it possible for us to respond to him this way. It's the Holy Spirit that made Kyle's ears open to David Platt's message in the blank check and made Natalie's heart feel that that was a winsome message, even though it was a message to come and die. It was a message that they wanted to answer and find life through. So we can talk about this with hope because this is what God does. This is his work ultimately. Let's talk a little bit more about the technical language here in this passage. Paul calls us through the Holy Spirit to offer our bodies. These are the mediums through which we relate to the world. Our bodies. It's not some weird specific thing about, you know, your hand has to do this or your ear has to do this. It's, it's, it's very broad. But the point is like one of these duh things that you can miss. Our bodies are the vehicles through which we relate to the world. And through which we relate to each other. And when he gets into gifts, that's going to make a lot of sense. All those gifts he'll talk about later in this passage, they require our bodies. Whether it's going to be prophesying or teaching or giving mercy or moving to Maryland. You have to get in a car and drive and steer. But that's who we are. We, we breathe. We, we love. We hate. We hear. We speak. We yell. We cry. We, we look. We lust. We take. We give. We do it all through our bodies. Everett Harrison says about bodies, Paul's not urging the dedication of the body as some distinct entity from the inner man. He, he's viewing the bodies as the vehicle that implements desires and choices of the redeemed spirit. Through the body, physical world that we live in, it's how we serve each other. Paul is saying, your body is your voice. What is it saying about God? This is the most important question for our lives and our bodies. What do they say about God? Piper writes, before we give ourselves away in mercy to man, we give ourselves away in worship to God. This is crucial to see. We must never let the Christian life drift into a mere social agenda. I use the word mere carefully because if God is left out, our mercy towards each other and towards the lost will be mere social agenda. We do no one good in the end if we are not worshiping, And leading them to worship in the acts of mercy that we do. And so our offering to God has to come before our serving of each other. So that when we serve each other, it's out of lives lived in worship to God. It's for him even more than it's for them. And it can be for them because it is primarily for him. So before Tal talks about gifts to use for one another... In this section, he starts with the worship of God that has to take place to make those gifts usable in the right ways, to make them have the right aims. Does that make sense? It starts with giving ourselves to him. And then those gifts out to each other are sanctified by that. They're made safe by that. The wheels are greased by that. Paul says this is a living sacrifice. Again, we go back to this Old Testament language. But this language is not about a specific sacrifice of, of, a, of a donkey or a oh, donkey. Where did I get that? What verse, Whoever sacrifices a donkey, <laughs> a lamb or a pigeon or those more appropriate sacrificing animals. It's this idea, though, related to that Old Testament of this irrevocable sacrifice. You took the pigeon, you put it on the altar. You could, <laughs> when you were done sacrificing, you weren't going to take that pigeon back, <laughs> right? You sacrificed that lamb on the altar. You weren't going to bring that little lamb back home and put it back in the stall. And so Paul's imagery here is this once and for all giving over of yourself to God. In some of our Baptistic or old Bible churchy language, it is this idea of dedication. You know, you to come down and dedicate yourself. And, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll be cautious about dedication services or decisions for the Lord. But it is this, this idea that there is this conscious giving over of self to God saying, Lord, my life belongs to you. I give myself to you. And it's something that's to never be revoked. And so this language similarly has a tone of this once and for all nature about it. But that once and for all nature has to express itself over the course of our lives. In other words, God saying dedicate yourselves to me once and for all in such a way that every day this dedication is re-expressed in your life. And we see that in Jesus' words about dedicating ourselves. When he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So there's this acceptance. Okay, this is the Christian life. It's denying myself. Lord, I see that. This is what it means to follow you. It's to deny myself. But then there's this every day. Re-expression of that one-time commitment. Every day, take up your cross and follow me. And Jesus is serious about this. He wants us to make an intelligent dedication. Not a frivolous, okay, Lord. All for Jesus. Yay. No, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. What a tragic thing to be heard about your life. He was not able to finish. Not a lot of scarier words I can think of in terms of their implications. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate. Whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. When you hear that, maybe with me, you just think, how? How? Kyle and Natalie wrote to me in, in, in the prelim it was a scary thing to listen to that blank check message and to come before the lord consciously and say okay lord we want our lives to belong to you paul tells us how at the very beginning by the mercies of god by the mercies of god What mercies? Well, he's just spent 11 chapters explaining those mercies. By everything I've said to you for 11 chapters, how God showed us the problem of sin that will send us to hell. But he made a way for us to be saved by faith, not through anything we've done. How he gave us the gift not only of forgiveness in the death of his son, but in the gift of the Holy Spirit who changes our hearts. Who gives us a desire to love God and to lay down our lives. Who continues to forgive. Who continues to give power when we don't live up to the daily cross to take up. Who never leaves us or forsakes us. Who stands at the right hand of God interceding for us in the person of the Holy Spirit and in the Son of God. Rooting for us, pulling grace, not as if begrudgingly, but truly bringing grace and sending it down to us so that we can keep fighting this fight of faith and we can keep seeing who God is. By mercies of God is how we do this. I remember long ago trying to give a huge decision to the Lord, whether to go to seminary or stay in in pastoral ministry at, at this church I was at. And a lot of prayer, a lot of probably fasting, a lot of angst. I've talked to some of you guys about this. And at some point, I just heard the Lord say, what does my son mean to you in all of this? I mean, the idea was I might as well have been a Muslim trying to earn it for God and be good enough for God. And I felt God calling me, look to my son. Look to the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I want you to give me this decision, but it's not going to be by your might or your power, but by my spirit that you'll be able to do this. (sighs) So that's how we're able to do this. And, and, And in regards to what this has of gifts, and I've got to close down here, I think what Paul is trying to say with regard to gifts. And I wasn't going to expose all these gifts today. We've done that the last few weeks, and we'll talk more about that. We'll talk more about gifts in the series to come. But I think what's important is just to pause here and saying, if you want to understand your gifts fully, if you want to use them with success and with power, it's going to be through this offering of yourself as a living sacrifice. That's going to be the grease for the gears of your gifts. The will of God for your life is going to involve the use of the gifts that God gave you to do his will. And if you want to know the will of God, then you have to be willing to do his will. But if you are willing to do his will, if you offer yourself to him first. He will lead you both in your gifts and in their proper use. I think this is where we are going to find the greatest fruit in our lives together as a church is not first and foremost in the use of our gifts, but in the proper understanding and use of them through our hearts saying again to God, Lord, by your Spirit, I give myself to you. So we'll we'll talk more about that this week uh, through the notes that I'll be sending out. But if I could just ask the band to come back up here and play uh, one last song. I'd like to just give you guys some time. And, and we'll play a little soft for a little bit, um, Aaron, as you guys start. I'd like to give you guys just some time to, um, to either re-consecrate, if that's what you'd like to call it. Re-acknowledge, reaffirm, Lord, my life belongs to you. If you feel like you're in a struggle, another category, where you're struggling with God about giving him, I just invite you to call out to him and say, Lord, by your mercy... By your power, help me give myself to you. Make me able to do what in my own strength I cannot do. Those would be the two categories that you would just, if you, if you feel like you're ready to reaffirm that you belong to Jesus Christ and you want to be used by him. Lord, my life is a blank check for you. That's the one category. If you're ready to just say that to the Lord and ask him to show you more about what that means for you. Show me where my gifts are. Showing where your will for my life is. The second category is if you just feel like you're fighting God. You're fighting to trust him with doubt, fear, or you're fighting with sin. Just bring it to him and just say, Lord, I need help. I need to see this, that by your mercy, I can offer myself to you because I want to do that. Does that make sense? All right, guys. Amen. Love you. and. uh